Hey, this is Sean Mandoli, and I'm the pastor of Sanctuary LA, and you're listening to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this message encourages and inspires you. Remember to follow us on social media at My Sanctuary LA and enjoy the message. God's hand has always been on me and at times when I wasn't walking with him in situations that I put myself in where I knew I shouldn't be there I was making bad decisions I could always feel the hand of God on my life Um, I am here today strictly because of God's grace God's mercy God's safety and protection I have walked through a lot of things that I won't mention but you cannot tell me that God doesn't exist you can't tell me he is not real because I feel him, I know him, and I'm here because of him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. There you go. All right, give it up for Dorita. Is she in here? Where is she? There she is. All right. Dorita is our first impressions director. She directs all the, all the people, loving people out there. Anybody, when you came into this house, um, you're like, man, I feel like these people genuinely are welcoming and loving. Anybody? Felt that directly. Awesome. You can thank Dorita and the team over there for that. So, um, and so I just wanted to share that. We're going to share uh, another one next week and, and just real simple, but this has to do with where we're going here. And I'm going to give you a little context with Ezra. We're going to jump right into this is that uh, Dorita was saying how there were times where she was doing things she shouldn't have done and, 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 and anybody else ever done things you shouldn't have done? No? Okay. Cause you're in church and you're so safe, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, but but I'm going to tell my story because I've, I've done some things I should not have done and gone some places I shouldn't have gone. But, but she was saying how, in essence, that even in those times, she felt God on her life. Through anybody, even at your worst, you're like something even. You got through that. And so in Ezra, in the book of Ezra, I want to give you a little context here um, to show how much um, hope can be alive in the worst of situations. Okay, so in Ezra, if you go, if you go back, Ezra's a priest. He was in captivity, meaning the, the the Babylonian Empire basically took the nation of Israel into captivity, took them out of Jerusalem, out of their native land, God's land that God gave them, took them out. They be, they were in exile, and then um, the, uh, uh, by the Babylonians, and then the Persians took over the Babylonian Empire, and the Persian uh, King Cyrus said that God spoke to him and says, "I got to let these people out of here. I got to let them go back, right?" And they were like, "What? Let's go, right?" So they they were like, "We can get out of here. We can go back to Jerusalem." And so they they they, they packed their bags. A good group of them packed their bags, and they headed back to Jerusalem. The first thing they built was an altar of worship. It's the first thing they did. They got into their land. They're like, we need to build an altar because worship is more important than anything. That's why we worship in church before I preach the word. Because I'm telling you right now, preaching is a secondary consequence of, human, of humanity sinning. Worship has always been God's intention and it will always be there. Worship is the most important thing in your life. And so they built uh, the altar, which was worship. So they came in and they, they built a place for, for them to worship God. And the next thing they do, they started to build the house. And they got resistance. And the government came against them building the house of God. And they shut it down. And then they, then they got some favor from the second king that was in place over Babylon. He says, yeah, let's go back and look. Oh, yeah, they're supposed to. They're allowed to build the house. King Cyrus said they could build it. So they build the house of God. And then a whole new wave of people. Ezra's one of them. They came out of exile again. A whole new group started to roll up into Jerusalem. 
And they're like, man, we got the house of God built. We got the altar in place. Everything is happening. And they had the house of God. And they were, they were on their way. Things are better. But in the midst of all that, the leaders, the, the spiritual leaders of that day started to sin. And started to intermarry and, and, and engage in pagan rituals and all this. So they were sinning. They had the house. And they were in the house. But they were sinning. And Ezra... Um, rolled up on the scene. He was only in Jerusalem for four days out of exile. And he's like, what? The people of God are in sin. And this man, and if you want to turn, and here we are in Ezra chapter 10, verse 2. Somebody say, there is hope. They were in sin, and it was the leaders that were doing it. It was the leaders that were leading the way into sin. And the Bible says it was an abomination Bible says they were trespassing. Those are words we use for sin. They were in sin. They were in, if I could say it this way, they were in church, but they were living in sin. They were having church, but they were in sin. And so in Ezra chapter 10, verse 2, Ezra chapter 10, verse 2, and this is one of the Israelites, and, he, and Shechaniah, that's his name, and that means God has entered his house. God has made his abode, or God is in the house. That's what his name means, okay? And Shechaniah, the son of uh, Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, spoke up and said to Ezra, we have trespassed against our God and have taken pagan wives from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. Now, how can, in the midst of people sinning, somebody rose up and said that there still is hope. There is hope in our city. There is hope in our nation in spite of people being in sin, in spite of leaders leading God's people into sin, as a matter of fact. And so I'm just here to tell you, and I'm going to share three things that Ezra did that caused this man to say that. When Ezra showed up on the scene, there's three things he did. And I want to encourage you that hope is alive and not just for you but those you are called to those we are called to that hope is alive when there's certain things that we do and i'll be honest with you i come from a very rough childhood um, and many of you know this an abusive um, childhood a lot of drugs court cases police over the house I grew up in that kind of environment when I met Jesus I'll be honest with you there are times that the devil does attack me and he does um, try to mess me up anybody the devil ever try to mess you up anybody I don't know and we all have our blind spots and weak spots but I will be honest with you ever since I've met Jesus at the age of 18 and I started to walk with God I have never utterly entirely felt hopeless because of the Christ in me before I was a lot of trouble had a lot of rage um, had a, a, a lot I was I was teetering on deep depression as a young kid didn't quite know what it was I just thought I had to just grapple through this didn't quite know how to deal with all that but ever since I met Jesus it, it, it there there's something about the Spirit of God inside of me and in my life and the Word of God and Christian community that has kept hope alive for me over the years okay and so when Ezra showed up there are certain things he did that actually caused Shechaniah to say this that there was something that this leader did, Ezra did, within a one chapter of verses, he did three things I'm going to share with you that kept hope alive for the nation of Israel. 
They were in sin. Nobody knew what to do. Nobody did anything. People were sinning. Ezra showed up. They told Ezra. Ezra was a priest. He was actually a scribe. So he was a man of God. When a man or woman of God rolls up on the scene, there is always hope. Okay, so now let's go back a chapter. Go back to chapter 9 here, if you would. And let's look at verse 3. This is the first thing Ezra did when he found out God's people were in sin. All right? Let's say this out loud. We say there still is hope. So, so here it is. Ezra verse 9, verse 3. It says, so when I heard this thing, I tore my garment and my robe, and I plucked out some of the hair of my head and beard. That's crazy. And sat down astonished. Back then, that's what they did when they were broken and they were, it was, you know, the sackcloth, sackcloth and ashes. They would, they would rend their garments at times. They'd rip when they were broken, when, when they were coming out to God. It was a symbolism of God. You know, we've broken we, um, a covenant, our agreement with you. It was a sign of God. You need to put us back together again. Okay, we're broken, basically. That's what he's saying. And here's my first point there is always hope when here it is there is always hope when our hearts break for what breaks God's heart that there wasn't hope but when Ezra showed up the first thing he did was say God we messed up and I believe as Christians and as believers there ought to be some things that break our heart because it breaks God's heart you know um, and my daughter she is six years old and we were watching um this this show um and the name of it was what was the name of it benji that little dog remember that back in the day they had benji too right anybody remember benji back in the day no come on people what are you about okay, so there's like new generation benji now right and so she was sitting there this was this was very like my wife and i were like whoa and and in the story um it's like an orphan dog basically right and so the dog was lost, got lost, the little dog, little cute dog. And Gia started crying as she's watching it. We're like, baby, what's wrong with you? She's like, the dog is lost. And I was like, wow. I'm like, you were too young to be that in touch with your emotions. <laughs> and then the doggy got mistreated. It got worse. And she started to cry. And we went to, and my wife and I were like, whoa. You know, I was very, um, I was like, I was impressed, sensitive, you know, and, and, to, and, and as little as that is, has anybody in here ever cry? Like you watch a good movie, even you men in here, be honest, men, be honest, that you, you could, you could, you could drop a couple tears. No? Okay. It's a, yeah. Dudes were like, real quick, like, yes. right? And look, maybe you're not that type of guy. Maybe you're not. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a, I don't cry a lot, but I do, okay? I do. If you feel I, that God needs to still move on me, please continue to pray. But, but I'm not, like, I don't cry a lot. I'm not like a big crier. My wife um, cries, um, but, but she's more of a crier, a little more in tune in that way. And to see my daughter. So, so what, what, why am I saying all this? What does this have to do with this message? Is that, is that I felt like God was ministering to me through my daughter. And saying, um, in, in essence, he was telling me, like, it, like, her heart is breaking for something that would break my heart. And I was like, wow, you know. And so there are things in this world that ought to break your heart because it breaks God's heart. And I'm here to tell you right now, we're talking of stories of hope. There is no hope when God's people's hearts don't break for what breaks God's heart.
And even that's why we even are, are do, did that last series on God, race, and culture. Because I, those are things that break my wife and I's heart. They break our heart. And so we're going to talk about this. We're going to go there. When, you know, racism is something that just breaks my heart and my wife and we as a community, right? And so there are things in this world that God is calling you to be broken over it just as much as he is. And your, what you break over may be different than somebody else. But there's got to be something that breaks our heart. That breaks God's heart. And so when, and Ezra chapter 9 verse 3. So when I heard this thing, here it is. I tore my garment and my robe. God, we are broken. We are separated from you. And plucked out some of the hair of my head. I don't suggest you do that. It is a prophetic symbol and picture, a type and a shadow of being broken, okay? Don't pull your hair out of your head, okay? Um, of my head and my beard, and I sat down astonished. So our hearts must break for what breaks God's heart. Shechaniah witnessed this before he said there's still hope in our city. He saw this. He was witnessing a leader being broken when everybody else was callous. He saw a leader being broken about something when everybody else was just going about doing their thing. All right, here's the next one. Look at verse 4. Ezra chapter 9, verse 4. Here's the next one. Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel assembled to me because of the transgression of those who had been carried away captive. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. Here's my second point. There's always hope when. There is a community devoted to truth. So, so this guy, Shechaniah, witnessed a leader getting broken before God because of what the state of, of, of what was happening in their, in their society, in their community at the time. And the second thing that happened was that everyone, trem everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel assembled. So they gathered before a man of God that was broken. I'm here to tell you that, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves, which is the habit of some. That I believe that as we continue to gather as a community around the word of God and to worship God together, it is a sign that there is hope for Boyle Heights. That when God's people gather, it tells the community God's interested in this neighborhood. When, 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 when God's people gather around truth and we say, you know, we're going we're gonna to put truth above everything else. We're going to put the truth of the word of God, the truth of the gospel. We're going to put Jesus at the center of this place, right in the middle on 1516 East 1st Street. We're putting Jesus on front street for real. And we're going to gather around truth. When Shek and I witnessed a broken leader before God on behalf of people and the fact that there was a people that gathered around truth, Shek and I said, there's hope for our city. There is hope. And these people, they were mixing um, things that were wrong. And yet the people that trembled over the word gathered around um, a broken leader. Um, when uh, my wife and I went to the grocery store before we, um, before we came here today. We, had to, we got some little snacks and stuff for, um, for connect groups this morning. And um, so we were supposed to go in and get some, like, some croissants and some little brownies, right? And so we're in line. So I met her there because um, I went to Starbucks first. 
Somebody say amen. And, and then I met her at the grocery store, and she was in line. She's, I was like, cool, we're getting this stuff. And so I'm there to pay, and, and, and we, we're, we're on mission here. Like, this is what we're getting. And then my wife saw some little, like, chocolate little eggs things right there, and she, like, threw it on there. And I was like, you know, she just, I was, and she's like, oh, do you want one? I was like, no. Was that part of the plan? Like, and, <laughs> and so what am I saying? Uh, that, you know, um, what these people were doing was they were mixing uh, things that weren't part of God's plan in the middle of, of the purpose and plan of God. And do you have them there? Can I show? Are they in? Let me see. She's going to pull them. I'm going to show you how she had violated the covenant we made. Oh, no. Yeah. Where are they? Come on now. Help me out. And so um, I, I know I'm here. We go. This is it right here. See, she was touching the unclean thing here. Many eggs. Anybody like these? Cadbury? Yeah. Maria's like, hey, can I get them? No. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being funny with that. But this is the thing here. Is it was just funny because I was like, whoa, she just threw that in there. And, and, and we as a church, I'm just here to tell you that, that it is, think about this. The house of God was happening. The house of God was in place. If you look at Ezra, it was, it was built and they went through a lot to build it. But just because sometimes I think because we have church and people in church, there's no sin up in the mix and people aren't going through their struggle. And they were, but it took an Ezra to come in and take them to a higher level to get them and take them. And my wife from the grocery, she was throwing something in there that wasn't part of the plan. She was defiling the process. And you got to separate that stuff and don't, don't mix those Cadbury chocolate eggs when we're just focused. We're just trying to get some uh, croissant. Somebody say amen. So you guys get the point? Um, some of you are like, is he saying that it is a sin? To, no, I'm just, what I'm saying is in the moment, I was like, wow, that was interesting how we were on course here and something got thrown into them. And many times there's things we're throwing into the mix that isn't God. And there, I'm just here to encourage you to, 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 to bring your life before the Lord. You do it. I can't do it for, but what, there's always something that God's wanting to clean us up, to, to get rid of, to let go of. This is a journey. It is not a condemnation thing, but if we really were to come before God and say, you know, um, God search my heart, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I believe this is healthy church. This isn't a condemning thing, but we all ought to have that kind of checkup, that heart check before the Lord and say, God, is there something I have thrown into this thing that wasn't really a part of your plan and I'm making excuses about it and around it and I'm trying to work this thing, but really it is something unclean. It is something that God is saying, I want to deliver you of it. And there is hope when there is a community devoted to truth above how I grew up, devoted to truth above my cultural background, devoted to truth above my attitude. Somebody say amen. I know I got like a couple amens on that one. And our when we're devoted to truth as, as the people of God, there's, there's always hope when we're devoted. All right, the gathering of this community is proof that there's hope for this city. All right, all right. So let's go to verse six. They won't have this one up there, but here's my, here's my last point. Are you guys getting something out of this? So Ezra chapter nine. What was my first point? There's always hope when? All right, what was it? Right, there's always hope when? All right, breaks. 
there we go. My second point was there is always hope when? All right. Yeah. Stephanie in the back taking notes. Give it up. <laughs> there we go. All right. Here, and then I got my third point here, but let's read verse six, okay? And this is what Ezra said. This was part of his prayer, and it's not up here, but please, you can look it up there. I just wanted to throw this in there, and then I got a couple other scriptures to share. But Ezra chapter 9, verse 6, for our iniquities have risen, our iniquities. He didn't do anything. He didn't have a pagan wife, but he said our iniquities. Why is he saying that? Our iniquities. Because you can't help anybody that you can't empathize with. You can't help anybody that you're going to actually put, your, put their shoes on your feet when you pray. Instead of going, God, deliver those filthy people. He didn't pray that. He says, God, our iniquities. Why? Because it's his people. It's his nation. It's his brothers and sisters. Ours. You, Jesus owned our sin. Became our sin. Jesus literally put himself in our shoes. And the Bible says he's a faithful high priest. And he's able to be felt with, the infirmity, with our infirmities. He put himself in our shoes. And this was his prayer, Ezra 9, verse 6, for our iniquities, our iniquities, our iniquities have risen higher than our hearts. And our guilt, our guilt has grown up to the heavens. This is my third point. There is always hope when we don't cast blame, but we take responsibility. There ceases to be hope when it's always somebody else's fault. In your family, there is always hope if you're willing to take responsibility. Men of God, husbands, fathers, there is always hope in your marriage when you take responsibility first. All right, I'm not gonna get any amens there. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm just preaching the Bible here. I, I know, I know, it's quiet. Men are looking at me like, why you gotta say it like that? Because we, if we are called to lead, we are ultimately the most responsible and accountable. Yeah, Jesus, hallelujah. I'm going to preach to myself, and my wife's going to give me an offering tonight. <laughs> the Bible says that you're to love your wife as, God, as Christ loved the church. All right? Digest that, husband. Take, just take that. Just, just that one scripture. Just go and meditate on that for a minute. You will come back like, God help me. All right, it's as quiet in here. I'm gonna come down here because it's just make, gonna make it all the more uncomfortable. <laughs> but but there, is, there is no hope when we point the finger. There is no hope for us at church. We say, man, these people out here just sinning, just filthy, dirty, rotten sinners, drug addicts, gang members, filthy, dirty, rotten. No, Lord, help us. My brothers and sisters are out here. They need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Forgive us. Lord, we, 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 we pray on behalf of the city. Lord, forgive us of our sin. Lord, forgive us of our guilt. Lord, Lord we take ownership of this community. We aren't going to separate ourselves from sinners. We're going to, how about separate myself from my sin? This is the joker that I need to deal with looking in the mirror. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. No, could have been I was like, woo! Right. 
Why? Because look at that. That's the, I'm just be, that's the devil I got to deal with, the one I'm looking at in the mirror. That, that's the one I got to deal with. That, that's the one I really, I mean, I'm not worried about your sin. I got enough problems of myself. Myself, I got enough I got to deal with. Lord, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, let judgment begin with the house of the Lord. Hello, house, temple of the Holy Spirit. Let it begin with me. Because if I can come before God and God deal with this joker right here, deal with this attitude, deal with this temper. Somebody say amen. Deal with this mouth. We, we would not be pointing the finger. You, you, you pray like that. You're going to come out of your prayer card like, Lord Jesus, help, please give me mercy. I need you, Jesus. Amen. Let, 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 let's deal with, let's, let, let's deal with, let, let, let's go before God on behalf of ourselves first. And then when we come on up out of there, we're going to be like, God, deliver us. God, save us. God, heal us. Not them, but us. All right. Hope in our marriage, our ministry, our relationships, etc., etc., will happen when we take responsibility. Look at, let's go. Here we go. Two more verses. Chapter 10, verse 4. All right, this is right after um, Shechaniah said, man, there is still hope in the city because he saw him do these three things. And here we go. We're going to close with this. 10, verse 4. This is what Shechaniah told Ezra. He said, arise. Look at your neighbor say, arise gotta rise up I'm so I'm so grateful for the people that have risen up here in our community to serve risen up to start a connect group I always compliment um, Chris here um, here on the front row for starting a men's group when men rise up something happens come on give it up for the men of God in here when men rise up rise up he rose up he rose up let's do a men's group men there every morning at 9 a.m. to gather to get into the Word of God to pray for one another to have each other's back to be there for each other. When men rise up, he rose up and some people gathered. When men of God and not respect, when they gather around truth, there is hope for our city. When husbands gather around truth and, and wives gather around truth and families gather around truth and single people gather around truth and young people gather around truth, truth ain't just for old folks. Truth isn't just for, truth is for young people too. I'm telling you, young people, if you're in your early 20s, truth is gonna help you out it's gonna keep you where God needs you to be all right no amens from the young people in here as reverse chapter 10 verse 4 arise for this matter is your responsibility mm -hmm. it is your responsibility we also are with you be of good courage and do it look at this I want you to take this scripture home whatever issue it is in your life your marriage your personal life your finances, we're in financial peace. The whole thing about financial peace in our connect group, talking about financial budgeting, it's always about what? It's your responsibility, <laughs> right? It's not about how much you make, it's what you do with what you make. Somebody say, I got financial peace in here. Somebody say amen, come on, where are you at? Don't leave me hanging. It's not about how much you make, it's what you do with what you make. Of course, there's, there, there, there are those things, but it's about what you do with it. It's your responsibility to manage it the best you can. So here we go. I want you to take this scripture home. This is your, your take it home, your takeaway this week. Whatever situation is, this is your answer. Arise. For this matter is your responsibility. We also are with you. And we as a church, there's people around you. They are with you. Be of good courage and do it. All right, it's your responsibility. Look at your neighbor and say, that's your responsibility. Come on, engage a little bit with me. Look at somebody telling me it's your responsibility. All right? All right, when, when there's always somebody to blame, 
it's going to leave you right where it will paralyze you. When it's always somebody else's fault, it's going to paralyze you. Well, it's what they did. I'm not saying they didn't do anything wrong. I'm not saying you haven't been hurt by people. But never allow somebody else hurting you keep you where you are. Never allow somebody else doing you wrong to keep you where you are. You are now worshiping a false god called a person that hurt you. That is an idol. That is, if I could break it down for you, that is pagan worship. You are worshiping the wrong god. You are bowing down to somebody or something that happened 10, 15 years ago, last week, whatever it was, and you and, and you are and that is what is keeping you right where you are. You need to let that thing go, take responsibility, rise up, take responsibility, receive the forgiveness of God, receive the Spirit of God. There is hope when you take responsibility and you don't cast blame on other people. And, and, and maybe, maybe what it is is you just need some healing. Maybe, and I'll just tell you right now, if you are holding or harboring something against somebody that did something to you, it's a sign that healing hasn't happened. You're not a bad person. It's, 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 it, was, it was your coping mechanism. Somebody did it. I need, to, I need an excuse for where I am. And you might have a reason for where you are. They did hurt you. That is a reality. You were done wrong. It did mess with your dream. Maybe it messed with where you thought you should be. And I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. You can get healed in a moment. You let that thing go. As Andrea was so beautifully singing, just giving it to him. You can let that thing go. God is for you. Your future is much better than where you are right now. And there is a future and a hope as Jeremiah said, you let that thing go. You, you don't allow anybody else or thing or situation to take the seat of authority in your heart where Jesus belongs. Verse 10, then Ezra, oh, sorry, verse 5. Ezra 10, verse 5. I'm closing with this. Then Ezra arose and made the leaders of the priests, the Levites, the leaders. That's why I was kind of messing with the men a little bit. He started with leadership. Why do I always speak to men in here? Because if, I can, if, if God can touch the men, it's going to touch everything else. It sure will. We got men of God serving in the house of God. We have men of God devoted to walking with Christ. That the wife, the kids, the home are going to get touched. I'm not saying we don't want to speak to women directly. I'm not saying we don't want to speak to our kids and, you know, all that good stuff. But I'm just saying right now, the priests, the leaders of the priests, he started with headship. If headship's blessed, everybody else is going to get some. Everybody's going to eat. Come on, somebody. Say, come on, somebody. This isn't a machismo thing. This isn't a... This, this is a responsibility thing. This is a model. I'm going to give you right now. Man in the Hebrew, the definition of man means model. All right. Quiet here this morning. Here we go. I'll just read this and we'll go. I'll pray and I'll bless you. I'm just going to bless you here in a minute. Why do I, why do, I do this? Because men of God, I, this isn't in my notes, but I'm going to say this. There's greatness in you. 
And when you rise up, when you take responsibility, everything else gets in line. It's how God works. It's how God works. I'm not saying that women just need to act a fool and just know, but men of God, arise. What's that mean in the Hebrew? Stand up. Stand up. Own it. You got what it takes. As I spoke over James today, you got what it takes. You got what it takes. You don't need to be the smartest. You don't need to be the strongest. You just need to stand up and be willing to take a couple shots along the way. And you're made for it. You can do it. Rise up. <laughs> Rise up, men of God. I'm here to prophesy to you this morning. Rise up. Rise up. Own it. Stand. You have it. The grace of God. Rise up, man of God, men of God. And Ezra arose and made the leaders, and made the leaders of the priests and the Levites and all the Israel swear an oath that they would do according to this word. So they swore an oath. If you turn the page to Nehemiah's, the next book, what'd they do? They built a wall around the city. God built an altar. In the beginning, they built an altar they built the house. It elevated people's lives. Third, I believe that's where we are prophetically as a church. It's time to elevate our life. Spiritual life, purity, holiness, righteousness. Lord, check my attitude. And sometimes we associate sin with stealing and, um, and, and, and drugs and gang members or whatever, that, whatever it is or homosexuality. We never associate sin with being our attitude, gossip, slander, backbiting, talking smack about people. Like we don't, we, we, we don't talk about that. I'm gonna say, let, let's elevate. That's, what, that's how God did it. I'm gonna close with this. Built an altar of worship, number one. The house of God got built. The third thing they did before the city got transformed was people had to step up their spiritual pursuit of God. And they got rid of those things. And I don't know what that is in your life. I don't know what it is. I'm not saying everybody in here is in sin, but I'm here to say we're all human. And I, I believe it's time right now, if I could just be a pastor here for a moment, it is time for us to say, God, search my heart. Forget about my wife or my kids or this or that. Oh, God, search on my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for listening to the message. If you've been encouraged and inspired, give us a great review and share it with a friend today. Also, if you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our powerful weekend gatherings. For more info and directions, follow us at My Sanctuary LA. Be blessed.